hey Tori thanks so much for coming on the peace love trust podcast with me you are guest number two thank you so much for having me I'm so excited for those of you that don't know Tori and I worked together for about seven months I think we began the process mid 2021 when Tori joined a challenge of mine Tori's actually spent $25,000 with me over those seven months. T, I'd love to hear a little bit about where you were then, where you are now, and yeah, your transformation into the beautiful goddess that you are at this moment. Thank you, Brooke. So I guess when we first met, I had sort of started a little bit of a spiritual journey myself in the sense that I'd been doing a lot of research. I was doing a lot of reading. I was watching all the docos. I was, you know, finding all the quotes. I was following all the pages. I'd started to do a bit of a meditation practice. I'd had a yoga practice for a few years. Mm -hmm. I was just so curious. And I also just knew that there was something kind of niggling at me. Like I always had this little feeling, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yep. I had seen a therapist the year prior. I felt some positive kind of changes there, but then I felt like my journey there was done and I was really feeling like I wanted more of an accountability coach, someone who could really like get down into the nitty gritty with me a little bit more and be a support person for me. Yeah. It kind of just worked out perfectly because an acquaintance of mine had put something up on her social media, had popped up in her her post. And so I clicked on your page. I literally followed you. I didn't kind of go in any further than that. Maybe one to two days later, I got a DM that you were doing a five day free challenge. And I was like, awesome. That sounds perfect. That's exactly what I'm going to do. It was like deep in the lockdown. And I was like, yep, awesome. So I did that. And I instantly resonated with you. Like I just loved your energy. You definitely had such a great sense of humor, but you were also just like, you were just laying it out and you were actually adding so much value just in that five day free challenge. I thought that was awesome. Anyway, I straight away after that, I was like, I want to book a discovery call with you. And I kind of already knew in my gut that I wanted one-on-one. Um, you've had mm. like group, group coaching programs offered at that point as well, but I just knew and I think you did as soon as I got on the call with you as well I was like well Um, purposefully clear and you're like no I was like okay (laughs) yeah I was like no I want you one-on-one girl you told me the cost and I was like cool no worries and the funniest thing is that I think I, I honestly can't remember if it was a couple of days after I actually got a bonus from work and it literally covered I think it was $500 off the exact amount of the investment that I was going to be putting in with you, which was just incredible. So it just got covered. You know what I mean? Universe works in wonderful ways when it comes to universe works in wonderful ways. Yeah. That was just a really, honestly, it was just such a smooth transition for me. Everything just fell really into place with you. But I guess where I was at at that point was definitely trying to put some practices into place, but I think I was still not at the point where I was fully embodying things that I was learning. I was very in my head. I intellectually understood a lot of the kind of philosophies, like a lot of the practices that you should be doing. I could kind of wrap. Yeah, it was all intellect. It was all intellect, which I think you honestly called me out on in our first session. Your ego is going to be the thing that I'm going to have to work through. And I can see that you understand things, but it's about embodying it, like literally bringing it into your life, embodying it, feeling it in your heart. Feeling your feelings. Now I understand that. Yeah, like we live in a world, especially for those of you that are listening, that 
are working in like tech or corporate or, you know, a high level position in an employed setting, there's no room for emotions because it's all bottom line driven, people pleasing and making sure that you're ticking all the boxes so you don't lose your job. And so you please a person that's going to give you this sort of validation, right? Yeah. And when people come to me, everything you have learned to survive in the world and make money, we have to then unlearn and unravel together. And it's a process. You are incredibly intellectual and intelligent and you knew all the things. And that made my job actually a lot easier because I didn't have to explain to you, okay, well, this is the ego and this is a shadow and this is where you trip up here and these psychological principles here and there, you knew all of that. I love that quote and you would have heard me talk about it before where find the right people so you don't have to translate the language of your soul. It's like you already spoke the same soul language as me. It was just me allowing you to have space to really start to feel and I'd love you to share a little bit more into the tricks of your ego and how your ego showed up at times between us in group setting and in one-on-one. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I guess <laughs> the ego, my ego is very intelligent. Like it's, I think all of our egos are, but it's so cunning. Like I literally sometimes, it's almost like my ego can pretend to be my higher self. <laughs> like, yep. It's it's it honestly just poses as like this really like I guess logical, reasonable, safe, smart kind of it kind of thinks it, it can even be applied to things that you think are positive in your life, like your your routines, your like the people you have in your life, and how you want to spend your time, like just so much stuff. And so obviously, like there was times in um, one-on-one and group coaching where you would kind of call it out as per, you know, (laughs) that's what you do. You're kind of calling out that I'm literally speaking to your ego right now. For me, it's a shutdown and you'd go, okay, you've gone to your spacey space. I can see this. You kind of, you know, we'd go back and forth for a little bit. And then all of a sudden I just shut down and you'd go, okay, you've left the building. I can see that now. Disassociated. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it would kill me as well because then my ego is still like, oh, I'm so annoyed that she can tell that I'm disassociating, you know, because it's like you can see it in my face and the way my body language and everything. So yeah, it's really interesting. It is so smart. What I've realized is that the more that I trust myself, even when I don't trust myself, that's when the ego gets quieter and quieter. That's when the shadow starts to dissipate a lot more. Yet when I doubt things or second guess them or question them or question financial decisions or sit back for a little bit too long, that's how we strengthen our ego. And I'm just so not available for that anymore because we've wasted so much time dwelling on decisions that we innately knew were good and also there's no such thing as a wrong decision right yeah absolutely I think something that's really helped for me is sometimes I do have quite a good awareness of when the ego is in play and sometimes it can even come out in your journaling and sometimes I love to just sort of say my ego right now is trying to tell me this and I think my ego is actually trying to keep me safe right now you know you kind of acknowledge it and you sort of show what it's trying to get through to you I guess and then you usually get down to the real fear that's there anyway that the ego is trying to protect in the first place and then you can kind of see it as separate to you rather than it being like no these are my thoughts my feelings and this is how I need action from that place you're like no this part of me is scared this part of me is saying this you know So that's a good little trick that I've figured out with it. (laughs) Yeah, the ego really does love the, the past and the future, right? So our memories 
that are lodged in our bodies our ego is kind of protecting us from harm so to speak at times but really it's protecting us from connection I've found the most connection to self connection to others connection to source so when we're busy and we're frantically ticking lists which I know you were always very accustomed to prior to working with me and when you'd get stressed you'd want to tick lists even more when we do that we're so distracted that we're unable to be present and presence is the opposite of ego living presence is like well right here right now everything's okay I am safe and I have the power to take actionable steps toward what I would want what would feel better for me right and for you T like you're booking well you have booked your flights to Bali so Tori's heading over to Bali and that's been something that we kind of wrestled with for a while because you quit your job you left your partner of nine years you moved out you're heading to Bali you started your own coaching business and it's a lot of change and within a short period of say nine months maybe even less maybe even like six months Yet you've got to do those things and take those actions because there's a desire inside of you that wants that, right? Your ego is not like, we have to move to Bali. Your ego is like, maybe it's not the right time and maybe we wait a bit longer. And And I think that's something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around because you know what you truly desire. You know what you truly want. Your heart tells you and you desire. You mean, what, what, what are you looking at on Instagram? What are you thinking about? What are you journaling ideating about? On, yes. What are you ideating on? Like, you you know, you want freedom. You want a certain relationship. You want to travel. Mm. Like, there's just so many beautiful things. I want, want to eat healthy food. Yeah. Yep. Income. Certain lifestyle. Absolutely. Like, there's so many things that you genuinely like your heart genuinely wants for you your soul genuinely desires for you but it's really interesting that the ego just basically is like oh but we haven't done that before so what doesn't still existing for us yeah yeah so what if then we don't know what's going to happen what if then we have no control what if then something bad happens what Mm. if then that taps into your fear of rejection what if that hits our fear of failure your ego goes because I don't know that path I don't know that neural pathway. Mm. Sister, we've just got to stay doing in the relationship. We've got to stay in the job that's safe. We've got to stay Mm. in the city that feels safe. We've got to do all these things. And even though we're feeling a bit uncomfortable there and you're not super happy, at least it's maybe better than what could happen on the other side if something goes bad. Like, At least if you buy some new art or you join a good co-working space or you buy a new sofa or you move to a different suburb, like that, maybe that'll make it better. And those are the ways we justify, right? I've been so guilty of that. When you just said your heart knows, it just, my whole body, every time I ever hear that and I'm reading Brianna Weist, this is how you heal at the moment. And she literally wrote that. It was like, your heart knows what your heart wants. My heart in particular wants community, safety, truth and honesty, great fresh food, the ocean, yoga, meaningful work, amazing clients that come into my life that change my life as much as I change theirs and we change it together. Like that's what my heart wants. My heart doesn't need every material thing that opens and shuts, but my heart would like to have the safety of absolute financial security and abundance. So should I want that material thing? 
and there's a reason for it and a place for it in my life and I'm going to treasure it, well, then I'll take it, right? It's not about the this or that mentality. It's like the heart wants to put things to good use. And I think that, I think I was watching a documentary that kind of explained this really well, that you know, every soul has a different desire and some souls need to kind of go through that kind of that way of needing all the material items and all of that kind of stuff to get to the point where you're feeling so safe and secure in terms of finances that you realize that was never the thing that you're after anyway. What you're after is some of the things you already spoke about, connection, life purpose, your work. But sometimes if you're not feeling safe and secure with the material side of life, Mm. then sometimes you don't even get to like spend that time on being able to actually go, no, what is actually the purpose of life? I feel like Jim Carrey is the perfect example of this. I was just watching some videos of him the other day. He he said the same thing. He's like, I've gotten to this point. And the person on the doco said the same thing. You know, some people need golden globes and they need to be like a huge, you know, actor or um, someone super famous. And that's what they're, that, that's what they need. Externally needed validated. Yeah. They needed that external validation to then go, oh, that's still not the purpose of life. And then I can go do the work. And that's exactly Jim Carrey's path, which I love. Okay. I've been wanting to say this the whole time we've been speaking and it just hasn't cropped up. But every time you say the deeper thing that we're all looking for, if we sit with ourselves in that discomfort underneath, most of the time, the reason I, I don't step into something is because yes, there's say the fear of rejection or ridicule or being put under a microscope. Let's dig even deeper than that. It's actually the fear of deep unworthiness that I'd be so disgustingly rejected from the pack that no one would want me and it would prove that I am so worthless because that's my ego's innate belief that I'm not worthy of love, that I am not enough. I've never been enough, right? That's what my ego. So keep pushing and keep making more money and keep serving more clients, Brooke, and keep up leveling. And maybe look at what that person's doing. Maybe you should bring that into your business and look at you. You're not as far ahead as that person because you suck. And all of this keeps coming in. So then we run on the treadmill a bit faster. And then when I get to a burnout phase, which we all do from time to time, and I take an inventory check, I'm like, oh, all I needed to do that entire time was love myself and have self-compassion and realize that I am worthy. So the things I'm actually afraid of are actually not even real. I know, exactly. It's just so crazy, the the fears that we have and then kind of what we layer on top of those fears to kind of keep us protected to, from even finding out that that's the fears that we have, right? I was kind of journaling about that this week and it's kind of like, I definitely have that fear of rejection as well. So on top of that, I've layered my perfectionism and I've layered my people pleasing and I've layered these patterns and behaviors to protect me from even realizing that I've got a fear of rejection. You know, you have to go so, so deep. Like, why is this pattern and behavior showing up? Like, why am I doing this? And that can be the same with what you're saying, like the achieving, the the constantly going, the constantly having to progress, like whatever it is that's kind of coming through as something extreme, right? Something that feel, feels a little bit extreme. Like I've been experiencing this since quitting work and we were kind of chatting yeah. it, um, through that in that group coaching program that we were finishing up. And I'd been working full time for a decade in a pretty high capacity role. And mm. all of a sudden when that was gone, 
I realized how much value I was placing on my productivity and what I was doing and what I was achieving and what I could say at the end of the day I had done. When I I don't have this thing, it's taken up 80% of my life. Did I actually value just me, just being, just the fact that I am alive and I'm living and I woke up and I did some nice things for myself? Like, am I valuable if, if that's what I've done with my day? And it's honestly taken me the last couple of months to genuinely sit in so much discomfort with that. And I've gone through going from like having no goals, no routines to then all of a sudden trying to structure absolutely everything. And I'm talking like, these two hours you're going to create, these two hours you're going to learn, these, these two are yep, going to move, I've done these that two are going to be psycho. And then all of a sudden burning, like almost burning my little brain out from trying to go that deep into it. And then like too much pressure. So then you back away and you procrastinate and you can't do any of it. And then you beat yourself then going up because you suck and you're going to quit and like, oh, you should yep. probably just go back to work because it's never going to work. And it's the cycle. Yep. Absolutely. And you get into low vibe and the fact that you're so disappointed with yourself that you haven't been able to meet your high expectations your high expectations that's the biggest thing I've learned the last few weeks even it's just like there is no one around me right now sitting there going what did you do today Tori what did you get done today have did you hit your expectations or our expectations it's a little voice in my brain that is putting all of this out there you know so yeah one is I'm unlovable, unworthy, a useless person in society if I'm not constantly making money. So productivity doesn't really matter if I'm not making money. That's always something I really need to sit with whenever I'm having a moment of grieving or a moment of time where I'm not super productive and I'm not launching something or I'm not making money or I'm not bringing in the amount of clients I think I should be bringing in. It's like, you are worthy regardless of what the outcome is right now. We block ourselves with our unworthiness. As soon as we turn the tap off and go, oh, I'm worthy either way, everything starts to flow again and you start to make money and you start to move into the right way of being. But it's interesting how we go into that hamster wheel of perpetual beating up of self, low vibration and the low vibrational scale of consciousness. And then we want to eat, we want to distract or shop or whatever. It's it's fascinating. Absolutely. And I think though, we have to have those moments of discomfort in order for us to figure out the blocks that we have, the patterns and behaviors that we have and the fears that we have. And then we need to do the work on those and we need to release them and let them go, get ourselves back into high vibe. We can do the unblocking work. We can do the shadow work. We can do the inner child work. And then it prompts you to get to that place where, okay, I am that next layer of my, my worth has laid up a little bit. My deservingness has up leveled a little bit. And then that's when you can kind of have a lot of clarity and you can take, sometimes you have to take the action in, in the, those other moments as well, oh, but it's taking totally action. <laughs> and that's, that's your whole, that's your whole um, thing, Philosophy. which is amazing. Messy action. Take the action, messy action, take it. So through that whole process, so you're doing the work and some of that work can be taking action. And Most then you is. get through, oh, okay, I'm feeling good. And that's when you have the clarity. That's when amazing things orbit into you. That's when you can kind of manifest the things that you do really want, create what you want. Things flow a lot better. Mm. That's the that's a juicy point, but you have to then go through another layer of discomfort. Typically, you have to go through another up level. You have to go through another thing. You know, it's the lack of clarity with the action, which is what keeps most people avoidant. Because they're like, I can't see what would be on the other side of this. So they don't take the action. 
but when you've done it a few times, I just did a reel on this today. When you've done it a few times, that muscle starts to get stronger and you start to trust yourself. It's like, well, I can't actually see that it's going to work on the other side, but I know based on past experience, having taken this leap before in a different context, that it ends up working out. If we were to like layer even further back the fears like okay so Brooke is fearful of not making enough money well what happens it's always the why game and I love the asking like the five whys or keep asking why till you get to a deeper place and it's like well why am I fearful of not making enough money oh well then what if I run out of money well what if you run out of money why is that a problem well then I'd have to get into debt. Well, then why is that a problem? Well, then what if I can't get out of the debt? Well, why is that a problem? Well, then I might have to ask for help from somebody. Well, why is that a problem? Because then people will use that against me and then they'll control me. And then if people have a hold over me like that, then I'm not free. Well, why is that a problem? Because if I'm not in control of my life, then I'm going to be taken advantage of. Why? Oh, because that's what happened in my childhood. Oh, I was abused. Oh, I didn't have my needs and my emotions met. Oh, so I'm worried that if I'm not making enough money and keeping myself in check and my business, and remember enough is so subjective, enough that I make now versus enough I made four years ago. It's like the needle keeps shifting. The goalpost keeps moving. When I boil it down, my initial fear is like, oh, I don't want to run out of money boil it right back down. Actually, I'm afraid of being abused again. And so if people can play that why game with themselves around, well, what is my fear? Okay. This is my fear. Why, 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 why? So is there anything that comes to mind for you with that? I think for me, I guess one would think I was a little bit nervous to come onto the podcast today, which I think natural thing is my first podcast. So I wanted to do some work on that. So I did a bit of a meditation. Yeah, I guess it was like, cool, I'm a little bit nervous. That's where you start, right? I'm a, right. I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit scared. And totally. then you're you know, like, God, I've coached with Brooke. Like, what kind of questions is she going to ask me and throw me on the spot? <laughs> Totally. No prep, like nothing, you know. Yeah. Did the meditation kind of went through. Okay. So why are you nervous and scared? Okay. I feel a little bit inferior. Okay. Why do you feel a little bit inferior? Okay. You're going to be on there. What if you can't articulate yourself? Well, there's other people on podcasts. They speak so well. They're so articulate. I love how they, how they can present themselves. What if you don't know what to say? What if you, you know, you go blank? What, you know, I just feel inferior to the other people I hear on podcasts. Okay, cool. So why does that kind of matter? And then you kind of go through when was the last memory or something that's popped up for you that you remember being inferior? And then you can kind of go back. There was a moment in childhood, like I'm talking like prep, that something had come up where we had done an assignment or something in the first week. And it literally was that, you know, we were meant to be doing coloring in and it can be such little things, but we're meant to be doing coloring in color, like the, the numbers. And instead of coloring in the sections, I'd literally just put little colored dots on the numbers. And then my teacher had kind of called me out in front of the whole class being like, what are you doing girl? Like you totally had that moment where I'm self-conscious, inferior, all of that kind of stuff. But it kind of went through that. It kind of was like, okay, do you remember where you were at prior to that? 
And it kind of just keeps going back and it was my fear of rejection. So for me, it was just kind of like, I fear going on this podcast, kind of being rejected by the audience or being rejected by Brooke or something like that. You know what I mean? Because what just came to me as well is because of that incident in prep when Tori was really little, what has Tori done going forward for the rest of her life? She's over-prepared for life. She's over-planned. She's overly made things uh, as controlling as she can. So then the teacher can't come up and be like, you don't know how to follow fucking instructions. Like, you don't know, you know, you don't know what you're doing. And I certainly had that as a kid as well, where I'd always be like, oh my gosh, I can't follow instructions. Or why am I the one that's missing what's going on here? And everyone else seems to know what's going on and constantly feeling like I am wrong. I am bad. I should be punished. Yeah, totally. It's really interesting. It can just be the smallest little memories from childhood or sometimes you can't remember things very well, but Mm. there can just be these things and it can be big things, but there also can just be these little tiny things that happen. And whether if you felt shame, embarrassment, Mm. inferiority, anything like that as as a kid, and you kind of didn't reprogram that at the time or someone wasn't able to be there to kind of help you switch your perspective of that, that's just something that you hold on to. And then if you think about all the little memories that can kind of put together in a little kid's brain in that, especially that zero to seven kind of thing, it kind of just builds into like these little patterns and behaviors that you put in to protect yourself. What just surprised me so much when I kind of realized all of this was just how you could really build a whole lifetime, a whole lifestyle, friends, relationships, careers, (laughs) absolutely everything out of kind of what had happened to you between the ages zero to seven and yeah trauma developmental trauma I love the notion of trauma with a big t and trauma with a little t either way they rule your life and you call it fate as Carl Jung says it's the unconscious Mm -hmm. absolutely it's like Tori as a little kid in the playground something happened And then Tori decided that that was going to be her reality and she was going to protect herself from that pain for the rest of her life. So Mm -hmm. that means that every time she's in a social setting or a work environment, she knows how to act in order to avoid that pain. But then it stops us from connecting, right? And little Brooke did the same and Brooke did the same right through to still does it. We all still do it. I remember being... I don't know, maybe six years old, maybe five or six in the playground. And two of my best friends at the time were leaving me out. I remember crying my eyes out, going up to my mom and being really sad that they were leaving me out. And one of my friend's mums was there and she called over her daughter and she's like, do not leave Brooke out. You are not acting appropriately, like told her off or whatever. That didn't matter because I still felt like they're rejecting me. They're not accepting me. I'm bad. I'm wrong. They don't want to be friends with me. So then I spent from my early child years right through high school, people pleasing and being obsessed with being in like the cool group of people when really deep down what I've loved the most when I don't self-abandon has been reading, learning, being a total nerd, being outside and actually getting along with quote unquote, the nerds way better than the cool people. Because the cool people to me are not my people. We don't speak of the same things. We don't enjoy the same things. Intellect and the world and consciousness and ideas and business is very important to me. Yet when I was always chasing the cool crowds, they don't talk about that stuff. They talk about other people and what they have and where they're going shopping and some other drama. 
So very interesting to unpack. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. It's honestly, it's, it's a real mind fuck. <laughs> it's a real mind fuck. It's a yeah. real mind fuck. I feel the same way. Like there's just been so many instances for me. Um, I have always kind of struggled to really step into my full expression of my authentic self. I think you just put so many layers on top and it's exactly what you said. It's a protective mechanism. The biggest thing is, is that, yeah, I, you know, I, I want to belong. We all mm. want to belong. We all want to be a part of the tribe. We all want to be um, a part of like this awesome family unit. Like, and it can start with the family. If you don't fully fit in and don't fully belong with your family, mm-hmm. then that fear and that kind of deep knowing kind of makes you act in such different ways around friendship groups with partners, people that you meet. For me, I know I have to really check myself and a part of coming on this podcast as well. It's like, don't assess your environment and then decide who you're going to be today. Yes. Oh my God, Tori. Yes. Brilliant. That's such a subconscious thing that you can do. And I'm starting to really try and consciously figure out when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you assess the environment, assess the person that's across from you or who you've met or um, how your friend's feeling that day. Because that can come down for me, like how my friend has shown up a certain day can affect how I show up with them in that day then. And I don't mean just being a supportive friend. Exactly. Not just being a supportive friend because that's a different thing. Actually being like, no, I'm going to change who I am for you today then. Who do they Um, need me to be, baby? Who do they need me to be? So then everything's all good. I want everything to be good. I want them to feel good. Um, I need to control. And it is, it's it's a way of trying to control every moment. Wow. Yes. Mm. And then like, if we were to play the why game right now, it's like, why, why? And then it's like, oh, probably because we're afraid of rejection. There it is again. If I am not who they need me to be, then they might reject me. Then I might feel alone and shameful. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's such a biological animalistic instinct right like I I always just think of like a herd of buffalo or hyenas like you watch the lion king and they're all like in the stampede and it's like no one wants to be like the limpy little sick one that like can't keep up with the group right like everyone wants to be like right we're like we're in it we're boom 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 together yeah absolutely I think innately as mammals on this planet that we all reside on we are afraid of being the little runt in the group that's gonna get ripped apart by the lions if we don't get going Brooke you've literally taken that out of my brain just then it's all evolutionary like we literally back in the day um we you know we were in our tribes or living off the land we had to work in community literally to survive there was going to be something that could come and kill us a big animal or Mm. there would be the fact that we haven't hunted that day or we Mm. needed like you know to go foraging or whatever if we weren't a part of that tribe we We would would die die. literally die so I I I really have been I'm so curious to go a little bit deeper into the layers of all of that. Like what are kind of more your evolutionary fears? And then what are kind of some of the things that have been prompted more from childhood trauma and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And then you're layering kind of like your shadows on top of that and everything. Mm. But I do think for me, yeah, like a fear of rejection. Yes. It's probably come out a little bit in childhood for me, whether that can be an angry parent or, or maybe a disassociated parent um, kind 
kind of that in a way can feel like a little bit of rejection. Yeah. 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 So that it can come out through a bit of fear of rejection or whether that's fear of abandonment for someone else. I don't really feel Mm. that, but someone else can feel that with a parent. Mm. But then what's actually the evolutionary thing that's kind of really making that such a big trigger for us? Because I do think we all have those kind of evolutionary ones that are kind of playing a big part in it too. And they're all layered because if I think about abandonment, I, if I was to think about my childhood, if someone was to look at it from just abandonment as a singular term, not a layered term, there was absolutely no abandonment in my childhood. Like my parents and my grandparents and all the figures in my life, I was clothed, fed, watered, cared for, picked up from school on time, lunches made every day, like friends around to play, um, birthday parties every year, great family holidays, like quite literally everything that would say absolutely no abandonment. But when we look at a human being as a multi-layered human being and we realize that there is far more than the physical, there's the emotional, there's the spiritual body, there's um, the physical body, and I can't remember what the other body is off the top of my head, but they all need tending to. So my emotional landscape was obviously very confusing for my parents because they didn't understand their own emotional landscape. So that's where my sense of abandonment comes from. It's like, oh, well, when I have a need or when I'm upset, like no one knows how to soothe me. So I have to become the parent for myself. Then we become parentified children that then end up only knowing how to do that. Hence being, having been a life coach for the last four years and slowly moving into a different way of being from that too. But it just shows that everything is layered and there are going to be things that are unexplained for us. Absolutely. And I think then, you know, you can do that work, but there's only going to get you to a certain point. Mm. And then I do think that it's really just taking that responsibility on and being like, that's okay. Mm. And I can give myself what I need. And Mm. that really dropped in for me the other week when I was kind of journaling a little bit again about like being a bit nervous and scared about um, Bali And I didn't realize that I was nervous and scared about Bali until recently. And I'm like, oh, no, there's a little bit there. It's kind of the unknown, the fear of like no control, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen, all of the usual kind of things. Um, But then I realized, and I think a little bit as well as like safety and security, but safety Mm. and security, I think sometimes you put into like physical locations, like my home is my safety and security. So when you're traveling or you're planning on going away for a long time, or you don't have that, the safety and security goes of as healthcare oh what are the hospitals like and you know like I'm about to head to Costa Rica for six weeks I don't think in the remote part of Costa Rica that I'm going to there are hospitals or anything remotely amazing but also if we think back in ancient times like they weren't really thinking about that they were thinking about community plant medicine healing modalities all the things so absolutely yes there's that but I think security is inside as well I just recorded this in the podcast um around like parts of my ayahuasca journey yeah and I remember being in the hotel in Bogota before I was going to fly to Villa Garzon which was which is in Putumayo in Colombia like the middle of cartel fully run by cartels for cocaine I didn't know that at the time but I just had this innate fear of like I'm putting myself in a really unsafe environment what am I doing I'm a woman I could get abducted all these things And then when I really checked in with myself and felt my feelings, I was like, 
no, I wouldn't do anything that's going to make me unsafe. And I could also get hit by a bus tomorrow. Like really letting yourself go through that feeling to completion. It's when we avoid with eating or drinking or scrolling that we don't let it be complete and then it gets lodged. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. And I think um, that's exactly the conclusion I'd come to where I was like, well, no matter what happens, you're going to, yes, you might feel a bit shit or you might be a bit, you know, sad, angry, whatever you want to say, your unpleasant emotions, basically. Okay. I acknowledge that I feel like this. I'm going to accept that I feel like this. And then I'm going to ask myself, what do you need right now? And then I'm going to give myself whatever I need. That's my safety and security. Like, my safety and security is me knowing that I can give myself whatever I need and that I'm a resourceful and capable person. It's not that I'm in my home and my apartment in my safe little space and nothing can get me. My safety and security is being like, sister, you've got whatever you need. You, you've you got this no matter what happens. That's your safety and security and it's in, in you. There's nothing that can, there's nothing external that can give that to you. No Truly needed that reminder because I get so in my head no matter how much exercise I'm doing or how many affirmations I will get in my head and it's like we need to control this situation what do we need to do here what needs to be done and it's like I my little girl like little Brooke is like I would like you to sit with me and I would like you to play with me and I would like you to take me to the beach and I would like you to spend some time with me and not be so focused on productivity and being of service to everybody else. Like, can you please service me? That's been my greatest lesson is, am I being of service out of distraction or am I being of service out of a deep desire to be of service? Because that's what my work is and it's what I'm here to do. Because it's very easy to trick yourself into being like, everyone needs me or this, especially as a coach, it's like, I could share this and I'll do this podcast and I'll do these things. But the little version of Brooke is like, I would like you to spend some freaking time with me having fun and giving myself my love language, which is quality time. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that. And I think that's some of the most profound meditation work I've been able to do or visualization work I've been able to do, whether that's calling in your inner child for a chat or whether that's, I've been doing a lot with calling in kind of like this, it's almost like my inner critic um, perfectionism shadow. Like I'm calling in my shadow almost or my, yeah, my inner critic. And kind Cara of like, Brock calls it um, going to tea with Mara. Oh, I love it. Mara is like a Buddhist term for like your shadow or, and her book Radical Acceptance is brilliant because it's like, invite that part to tea, sit down with it, ask it what it needs from you, give it the time it deserves because it's not going to disappear. It's like a, I don't know, someone that comes along and eggs your house. Like they're going to keep egging your house until you get them arrested or acknowledge why they're egging your house. (laughs) totally yeah it's like um work with the cause issue like work with the thing that's causing it kind of thing and that's it so whether that and you can kind of tell the difference of what you need when you need your inner child or whether you're needing Mm. that kind of inner critic um but for me like um over the last couple of weeks if I feel some sort of anxiety around bedtime or something I'm like okay that's weird that I'm feeling a bit of anxiety okay what's going on here oh I feel a bit unsettled all right I'm going to call in my shadow because I have a feeling it's going to be I, I feel like yes. it's her. It's, it's that, it's that the kind of energy of like, oh, what are we doing? We need to do something. And you can kind of tell like who you need to call in based on the thoughts that you're having around your anxiety. I love your I awareness. Such Thank amazing you. awareness. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And then you kind of call them in and it's like, 
hey, I can see you're feeling really anxious. How are you? How are you feeling? And then usually beyond the anxiety is actually emotions that you're blocking yourself from feeling. And it's usually like I'm feeling disappointed or frustrated or sad or whatever it is. Okay, cool. Why are you feeling like that? Because I need this or because I'm scared of this right now. And then you can actually ask them what what they need. Like what do you need from Mm -hmm. me? I did that recently and it kind of was just a couple really simple steps that I could do to help them feel safe and secure. And I'm like, awesome. And then typically just like a little letting go exercise, like, all right, well, I'm so glad we've had this chat. Let's put these fears and doubts in a bubble. Let's pop that bitch and we're going to just we're away. disintegrate and we're done, you know? So thanks so much. And then you just, you know, you've acknowledged it. You've had a chat. You've figured out what you actually need. And it's literally instantaneous how much better you feel. Do you know how like few people have that self-awareness to actually entertain the different parts that make up the whole? It's very impressive. Yeah. Even I'm sitting here like, I need to do that more because I often go to bed feeling really wrung out and feeling like there's so much I still need to do or that I haven't done enough and that I'm still going and I'm still on Instagram posting at like 10.30 at night and it's like, what are you doing, Brooke? Like if you were to choose yourself, you would have been off Instagram at like six o'clock and your phone would have been put away and you'd be just looking after you. But I realized deeply that I'd been denying myself so long a deep need to be in community, right? To be in community and to be uh, around people that were like-minded that wanted to live like we used to live in ancient times. A great distraction for that sort of level of loneliness is to be online or is to overwork because I'm not in a relationship and my life is very much focused on my work. So if I'm to boil it down further, it's like, oh, there's this deep sense of loneliness going on, not because you're disconnected to yourself, because I mean, that's something I teach, right? It's like, I'm very connected to me. And that's why I know that it's actually the presence of others that's necessary to build community, to create the things if I was disconnected to myself, I wouldn't know that that's the thing that's missing. So it's really cool to really be with you and have that awareness. So thanks for that. I feel like people listening can have that awareness next time and ask Mara or the shadow or the ego to come and sit down and be like, what do you need from me? Let's have a chat. Yeah, let's have a chat because this anxious feeling I'm feeling in my stomach right now is Mm -hmm. not like it's not doing anyone any service but I usually find that when you have anxiety it's typically just layering on top of what you're actually feeling not for everyone that's my experience so my my personal experience but you know like I think typically there's actual emotions underneath the surface that I'm just not paying attention to for whatever reason. I'm trying to distract myself from it. And that's when the anxiety comes through. Come on, like you really need to feel this. We really need to like sort this out. I think um, I'm reading Sarah Wilson's book, First Make the Beast Beautiful. Really good. Oh, it's fantastic. She's such a good writer, but she she's really good with that where it's like anxiety is actually actually like a call to action really like um, and we don't really treat it as such we're trying to like we're trying to push it away and like dampen it as a, like a, as the symptom we're but trying to make it be the diagnosis that's my yeah. biggest problem with people with sorry with society and anxiety yeah. and depression and bipolar mm. and mm. schizophrenia and ADHD and 
whatever personality disorder, that's not useful because all that does is put someone in a silo. But underneath that, it's like, well, what's the root cause and what's it trying to teach us? And these are behaviors that are out of, uh, I wouldn't say like out of the normal because there's no such thing, but it's more these behaviors or ways of feeling or triggers showing you that something is off balance because you don't feel balanced or peaceful or centered. Yeah. Exactly. It's your body is really just your reporting tool and whether that's Mm. the kind of anxiety, depression, but I also truly believe it's through your physical symptoms as well. I think we get obviously treated for our physical symptoms and that's it. But I think our body is constantly trying to talk to us and constantly trying to like give us little red flags, green flags, orange flags, whatever you want to call it to kind of call to action and kind of go a little bit deeper. And we haven't really been taught that though. We've always just been taught, here's the symptoms, pop some medication on top of it or, you know, do this kind of therapy or whatever it is, but it's never kind of, why am I feeling this? Or why is this physical symptom popped up right now? Like, it's really interesting. Let's be curious about that. Let's go deeper. We, we just haven't been taught to do that. Agreed. And I always think, especially in the last four years, I feel so amazing when I go to a yoga retreat. Yet when I leave the yoga retreat, I'm not all that excited to get back into my life. I just want to be back on the yoga retreat. Why is that? And then you boil it down and it's like, well, very minimal stress, no stress, low cortisol, really good food, beautiful people, writing, pleasant time in nature, yoga, meditation, breath work, connection on things that are improving the world or helping the world or bringing more peace massages like all the good self-care things and then we leave and we take a few of those things away with us but for the most part we kind of abandon that and go oh well we're not maxed out or burnt out again I'll book another retreat so my ethos now coming into my 30s is my entire life is going to be focused around being more of a retreat and then depending on what needs to be done I'll invite in little bits of things that are from the external world but and I talked about this with Lou on the podcast the other day around what Naval said he goes I am now at a point in my life when I'm moving away from for freedom I'm not moving toward for freedom and he's like I'm moving away from meetings I'm moving away from extra stress I'm moving away from things that you know take me away from peace I'm thinking gosh I'm so grateful that I'm about to turn 30 and that's my new ethos I'm moving away from things rather than like I have to build this big thing and I have to build this multi-million dollar business I'm like hey that'll happen as it's meant to happen. And it can happen when you're doing it from a place of retreating yourself. (laughs) I love that you said that, Brooke, because I've said that to a couple of my girlfriends. I want to live my life like I'm on a DIY retreat the entire time. Oh, yes. DIY retreat the entire time. And why not? There's just so many ways that you can do that. Okay, you wake up, you do a beautiful morning routine, you've got yoga classes at your fingertips, you've got Pilates classes, you can cook healthy, fresh, organic food. You can book yourself juices and yes. Absolutely. You can nourish yourself and give yourself self-care. You can put a face mask on, a hair mask, you can exfoliate your body, you can moisturize your body, you can dry brush, you can all the things. self-pleasure like there's just so much that you can do within your day week morning evening that creates that beautiful container for yourself and we need then to flip it on its there, head 
because everyone's like oh I fit in meditation I fit in a bit of self-care it's like fit in the other shit and just do that predominantly come on that's in the productivity fit in the action that Mm. kind of comes from that beautiful juicy place that we've created for ourselves right um rather than doing all the actions from the mind and then like you said I'm burnt out god better book that retreat or god I better spend but spend a whole day at a spa, you know. That's it. Like how and can I'd we be give like, that oh, I need to give up being a coach. Like this isn't for me anymore. The amount of times I've had that, which welcome because I'm sure it will happen for you. I mean, I hope it doesn't, but we tend to get really excited when a lot of people sign up. We've got all this stuff. And then if you're not managing yourself well, which I've realized the more and more I've gone down this path, the more and more time I need for me, And the more and more you develop your psychic abilities and the more and more you develop um, like a deep resonance, you also develop deep self-responsibility and realize that you're not here to rescue people either. That's been a really big lesson for me. But yeah, have got myself to many points of time of complete burnout and being like, I'm not meant to be a coach anymore. I love the notion of burnout being you're doing too much of what doesn't light you up and not enough of what does light you up. So I'm all for being of service when my cup is full. But if people are demanding my time and I don't have strong enough boundaries and I'm not getting out in the bush enough and I'm not doing enough yoga, like I'm like, I want to quit everything. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's a good reminder for me because I definitely have a bit of a workaholic tendency, you know, that's how I've kind of shown up in my workplace um, prior but yeah, coming into um, creating my own business, I'm really curious because the thing is you can kind of sometimes match your work, workaholism with um, with the fact that you love it. <laughs> so then it could be, yes. could be even True. more intense kind of thing. Um, but no, I think what it's been so nice to give myself the last couple of months, slowly like getting more into that as well, just really trying to nourish myself a lot and set up some good practices now. And then yes. like you're saying, fit in the fit in the action with that. Yoga for me, obviously it's always meditation, journaling, nature, and yoga. If I, my perfect day consists of those four things and anything outside of that is a bonus. Honestly, if I can meditate, journal, be in nature and do yoga every single day, there's not much else in life I actually need apart from a beautiful community. Just acknowledging what you need and testing whatever's good for you is always going to guide you toward your true north the reason yoga is so brilliant is because you get in your body like you really get in your body whether it's yin whether it's hatha vinyasa like if it's a sweaty class it's like you're very much like get me out of fucking warrior two I'm dying right now um or you're in yin and you're like oh wow my glutes are literally in knots right now as I'm here and can't remember the pose position but you know the one with your leg at the front at the back it's like pushing on pose pigeon I'm like oh pigeon is never gonna not feel good it's like never gonna feel good for me it's awful for me too my hips are so tight probably so tight (laughs) pigeon like so much emotion and crap stored there so yoga is gonna teach you it teaches you who you are honestly yoga is like it's something that I've not coached enough on I always seem to leave yoga out because I'm like, oh, people can exercise with what they choose. But yoga is truly a way of life. Yeah, yoga has been huge for me. I think that was kind of, 
I think a lot of people start a yoga practice more just mm. as like, yeah, I guess a physical thing. But for me, very quickly, I realized it was a mental health thing for me. Mm. Um, I just felt I, calmer, yep. everything. Yeah. It, it, and that kind of, and then it kind of, once you go through that part, then I do think you really start to pick up more of the spiritual practices around it. And you really listen to the teachers and you can kind of really hear the words that they're saying and it's nice you understand. Yeah, it is. And it really is another form of meditation. And it's really just connecting to the breath because a lot of people just keep saying recently in the classes, it's actually less about the moves that we're doing and more about the breath work you that you're doing in that. Mouth. It's all and it is. silencing the mind. Yeah. It's all it yeah. is. It's breath. Yeah. Because yeah. what does breath do? It regulates our nervous system, takes mm-hmm. us out of fight or flight. Like breathing allows us, I think it's the autonomic nervous system that allows it to like really take place. I can't remember, but essentially you're in some form of your nervous system which is heightened and then it brings you back down yeah I think you go into parasympathetic nervous system is the calm one and sympathetic is the heightened one yeah that's it that's exactly it so for me because of my childhood and because of my life and what's happened to me up until this point my default if I don't put these practices into place is to breathe shallow is to breathe through my mouth, is to work a lot, hold my breath when I sleep, things like this that, you know, they build up over time. If I do yoga and I meditate and I'm focused on the breath and I'm present, I sleep better. I react to situations and respond really responsibly and calmly. Like it changes my whole life being a yogi. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing I do love is actual breathwork classes. And I know that you love that as well. I had the most profound experience when I kind of did like a really solid eight week course in breathwork. So that was kind of one big session a week, two hour session. And Mm. then we were doing it each morning, just just some really simple pranayama. It's life changing. it's life-changing it, like the the emotions that came up for me and the thoughts that came up for me um that I had obviously just been avoiding um mm. it literally came through my body and I've had some amazing experiences with breath work where I could literally feel certain emotions rolling through my body and coming out like literally yeah. releasing out of like my pelvis and everything I could feel the anger coming through I could mm. feel the sadness I could Same. feel and then also some, and then it kind of ends on like these beautiful, empowering feelings as well. Mm. Like you get some really positive, amazing feelings coming through. So breath work's been huge for me. And I don't, I think we're really starting to discover that so much more now. Um, but just even incorporating a bit of pranayama every morning alongside your meditation is just amazing. I know your meditation is pretty much half breath work, half meditation anyway, isn't yeah, it? So yeah, so I do, I do 40 minutes of sitting meditation every morning and Tori knows this and anyone that's been in purposefully clear or any of my other programs I'm a huge advocate for sitting in meditation first thing in the morning and then anything else outside of that whether it's an extra breathwork class or yoga or walking in nature that those I consider mindfulness practices so my morning consists of around I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes of of deep meditation. Sometimes I use a mantra that I just sort of chant in my mind. Um, But I do box breathing. I think it's called Kalabati breathing where you're like, so I'll do that, which really helps me get out of my head. 
and I might the odd time do like a Wim Hof style, but not as often because honestly, I find it really exerting. I love it, mm. but I'm like, the resistance is very real. So when yep. we had Laura come into the group program with you, Tori, she's brilliant at like just getting everyone to drop in straight into the whim style. So that's useful, cold showers. Like what I noticed when I was working with Deva, who was one of my coaches in Bali, who you'll meet when you go to Bali. You've obviously done a class with her as well in my program. She really helped me get into um, what's called circular breathing, which is literally just through your mouth without a pause. So... And when you do that long enough, you get out of your mind and into your body. And that's when you said things release from your pelvis or you start to feel rage and bang your feet. Like I've had many, many sessions with her for about 18 months, just clearing out rage, clearing out trauma, memories coming back. Like, and then when you said at the end, the empowerment, there's also like a euphoria and pleasure that comes through once you've moved out of grief and rage you can then literally channel orgasm, which was the most wild thing I'd ever experienced in my life because I was like, how is this even a thing? But when we're out of our head and we're finally safe in our body, it's supernatural for humans to feel all the spectrum of emotions and pleasure to be something that comes at the end. And the goal is not an orgasm. The goal is to allow yourself to feel whatever needs to be felt through to completion. Oh, that's amazing. That sounds incredible, honestly. And I think that's um, something that I really learned in that session with Deva is that you don't necessarily always have to have a memory to attach to something because your body remembers and it's more a stagnant energy within there and that emotion can be stuck. And that's exactly what I guess I experienced in those breathwork sessions where I could feel the anger coming through, but it's not like I was like, and that was from that time that this happened, you know? And I think sometimes I can get, you know, I I do love being able to do the inner child work and the shadow work and figure out certain memories and all of that kind of stuff. But it can't be only that because the body holds so much more than that, than what you can either consciously or subconsciously, you know, put a memory to. And it's actually about doing that more somatic body work to Mm. really just physically release the thing. So Yep. what David does is incredible like I absolutely loved that session same and she's, yeah for anyone that's listening and you want to follow her she's at David dancing songbird on Instagram what is really fascinating about it is she channels right I channel you channel in your coaching you channel in this conversation right now and the dominant message I always got and always get whenever I'm around David or we're talking or we're in a session is love yourself, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. And she'll just repeat that over and over and over again. And the way that Tori receives it or Brooke receives it or anyone else that's listening receives it, you'll know what you need to do to love yourself. I think that's very fascinating because love yourself in the coaching industry is such a diluted term too. But if I was to really boil down, well, what do I do as a coach and what do I embody as a human being? Well, I teach people to learn how to love themselves over and over again. Love yourself more, love yourself more because all your problems disappear when you love yourself. Totally. And I think it's really just choosing yourself. Like Mm. loving yourself is just choosing yourself a lot of the Mm. time, you know, and 
choosing not to self-abandon or choosing not to people please or choosing to do so many things and putting yourself and what feels good and nourishing for you and thinking that you're worthy and deserving of that that's what's loving yourself is like it's it's like I am worthy and deserving of giving this to myself I you know and having compassion for yourself just so much comes through mm-hmm. encompassed in that loving and realizing like for women especially like we're all fucking amazing goddesses but somehow we've just a lot of the time forgotten that like we get so small so small in our energy you know we've put ourselves because not only do we have our you know we've kind of touched on some childhood things but let's you know you can get into like the society kind of dampening down on the feminine and the pleasure and the emotions and the 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 goddess energy that we are that's just a whole nother podcast really isn't it it really is because I think I don't know if I told you this but when I was on my ayahuasca journey I met a guy and he said to me based on the shamans that he'd worked with um, he'd done ayahuasca you know every week for three years twice a week in the jungle like he was very deeply initiated and he said masturbation and sex is like taboo and it's basically like a sin and if you want to free yourself then you should not have sex for pleasure and you should not self-pleasure and I sat with that for a moment for probably a week it was on my mind and I was just like wow like how do I how do I take this how am I receiving this right now And I thought about it more and more. And when I really dropped into myself and my body, I was like, I've been sexually violated in my life more times than I can count, including childhood. I am not going to let somebody tell me that it's taboo for me to have sex with whom I want, whenever I want. I mean, that's not what I want to do anyway. I'm looking for Mm -hmm. a partnership, but that I can't self-pleasure. Like it was just very interesting coming from a man. I'm like, how interesting coming from a culture where women are very suppressed in like Central South America, men are very much more on a pedestal women respect men and you know it's a whole dynamic and I was just like no and I I said to him I'm never going to allow anybody to tell me what I can and cannot do with my body and my pleasure and my orgasm and my state of being so thanks but no thanks and wow what an empowering place because prior to that because of the spiritual world I'm always like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Oh my God, am I meditating properly? Am I doing all these things properly? And then to have someone that I did respect based on, I mean, that's a hell of an initiation to do ayahuasca at least twice a week for three years to then tell me that that's taboo. I'm like, actually, you don't get to tell me any fucking thing. No, absolutely. And I think what's coming through for me there is that like, I just can't imagine that you know, the universe, God, whatever you want to source, spirit, whatever you want yeah. to say is thinking there's no way that we've got given the ability to feel such pleasure. Right. And then the whole thing is to avoid it. And I think that can go through the whole spectrum. It's kind of, you know, what we were just chatting about in terms of emotions and everything. And we've spoken about this in coaching. It's like, there's this full spectrum of emotions and human feeling and Mm. you know you've got to feel the really awful pain and you've got to let yourself go there and you've got to go into the depths of that but then that's also the way that you can come over to this other side and there's pleasure you know joy 
happiness, oh just you're ecstatic basically. But it's true what I'd been doing. Oh. Yes, it's truly ecstatic. And pleasure and everything come in with that, you know what I mean? And so I think for me, I'd always held myself in this little middle section my whole life of like and it's just nothingness even the orgasms are like meh and then you start to like genuinely go to the depths of your psyche the depths of your pain Mm -hmm. wow the orgasm the pleasure the vitality that you experience when you do like whoa right like yeah if there's any guys listening I mean I doubt there really will be because I have predominantly a female audience but it's true that I have the best sex of my life with myself. Like the way that I can give myself pleasure far outweighs the way that anyone else has ever been able to give me pleasure. And I'm not saying that that's going to be forever because I'm still waiting on my king. I'm calling him in, but I'm like, I know how to please me, but I also know how to tend to my emotional needs as well. And I think for the woman listening, that is the key is like really getting to know you and your body. Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly think um, from what I'm learning is definitely that emotions and, you know, that sexuality and pleasure are 100% linked. Like it's, it's whether you're okay. Are you willing to surrender to your emotions and then Mm. also to your pleasure? Like yes. it really is. It's no, there's no separation there. Why if do you you're not willing addicted to, to porn, because they're addicted yeah. to like hoping that they can have more and more pleasure, but no. Yeah, exactly. And if you're not willing to feel your emotions and go mm. to the places, you're not going to be able to feel the extreme amounts of pleasure that you're able to have as well. Like we have so much capacity for it, but it's like if you're holding yourself so tight and rigid there's no way that you're going to be able to feel everything that you're going to want to be able to feel. You know what I mean? Um, That's a journey for me at the moment, for sure. I bet. And I mean, I could talk about this stuff forever, but in closing around the vibrational scale of consciousness, if you are seeking pleasure through porn or through overeating or through drinking wine or having casual sex or having an affair or whatever it is, like, you are going to keep yourself, as Tori has just said so well, in this box, keeping yourself small in this like confinement of like middle ground or something. And nothing good grows there. It's like putting a plant in a dark garage. Like it needs sunlight, it needs water, it needs nutrients, it needs wind and pollen and bees and all the things that make it up. So let yourself feel the depths of your despair because there is such a silver lining to that. Thanks, Tori. I feel like we've been talking for a long time and I could keep going because there's so many topics. I absolutely love this. Thank you for speaking the same soul language as me. It just makes this such a pleasure. In closing, I'd love to ask you, what is your favorite thing to do for your soul? My favorite thing to do for my soul is put on a song Yes. and dance and if that can be on grass and with some sun shining on my face that would have to be the best thing I can do for my soul yep absolutely and I mean I freaking love ecstatic dance and just losing myself in those moments and in closing last question is what does peace love trust feel like for you Peace, love, and trust. What are they for you? They are wholeness for me. 
just wholeness and accepting mm. all parts mm. of yourself mm-hmm. and therefore if you're able to accept you in your wholeness and mm. I don't mean wholeness as in healed and perfect no I'm saying wholeness entirety. as in, in your entirety, entirety. Mm-hmm. I know all of my shadows I know all of my weaknesses I know all of those but I accept and hold all of those parts Mm. alongside with all of my amazing gifts and amazing side. Mm. Therefore I bring myself peace, love and trust um, because I'm accepting all of it. And I'm not trying to run away from anything. Absolutely. And when we accept way more of those sides of ourselves, we're so much more accepting of others. And then we can opt in and out as to whether we want to be with them or not with them Mm. or whether they're for us Mm. or not for us. So Mm very wise so Tori where can people find you if they want to get in touch for your coaching services to follow you I mean I love your reels and they want to yeah touch base book a call how can they find you yep so I'm on Instagram at the moment as Tori t-o-r-i double underscore so underscore underscore Nichols n-i-c-h-o-l-s okay awesome well I'm sure you'll get a few new followers from that one Talk to you soon. Amazing. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Peace, Love, Trust podcast. I'm so grateful you're here and I have an offer for you. My signature course that combats anxiety, overwhelm, indecision, stuckness and relationships in life is a self-paced course available to you with $100 off with the code P-L-T podcast. That is P-L-T podcast. Head to purposefullyclear.com and get yourself $100 off this life-changing course. There are reviews and testimonials and a few of the podcast guests have done this course and it has drastically changed their lives. They've moved into messy action, clarity, connection. They've started businesses off the back of this course And I want that for you. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. I would greatly appreciate it. Any questions, flick us a message in the DMs at Brooke Nolly or at Purposefully Clear. Take care.